serious. Did you see me go over? She asked. Her voice cracked. He nodded. I was behind you. We should get out of the rain, he added, pushing his dripping hair back from his forehead. Do you have a mobile phone? She shook her head. Neither do I. But I can give you a ride to the nearest payphone. He helped her to her feet. The world was finding its place around her, but her legs still felt weak and disconnected from the rest of her body. She stumbled, almost fell, and he caught her without hesitation. I'm not drunk, she said. I know you're not, he said, his hand cool on her bare elbow. Together they made their way up the rain-slick hill to his car, a silver Mercedes. He helped her into the passenger seat, making sure her seatbelt was buckled before carefully checking two lanes worth of empty blacktop and pulling onto the highway. Only then did all the advice she'd been given about how to behave when you were a stranded female motorist come back to her. She realized that she had done everything wrong. She had not stayed in her car with the doors locked. She had not asked a passing motorist to send help. A stranger had offered her a ride, and she had taken it. Then she thought, Fuck that. I'm alive. And her rescuer didn't seem interesting enough to be dangerous. He wore a button-down shirt, khakis and loafers, all slightly soggy from the rain, and wire-rimmed glasses that he'd carefully wiped dry with a handkerchief before starting the engine. He was about ten years older than she was, and he needed a haircut. Her hands still shook with the after-effects of the crash, and her heart was loud and dire inside her chest, like the backbeat from music playing too loudly in another apartment. The world felt foggy and surreal, and she decided that she couldn't be paranoid. Not now. It was too hard. For a time, they drove without speaking, watching the flat, gray ribbon of road unfurling in front of the headlights. The Mercedes seemed to glide above it without touching the asphalt. Even the rain was hushed. She leaned back and rested her head against the soft leather seat. Gradually, she relaxed. Her hands stopped trembling, and her heart quieted. She felt as if she'd been crying fiercely and for a long time. A slow scowl spread across her face. Finally, she said, I can't believe I wrecked my goddamn car. What the fuck am I going to do? How am I supposed to get to work tomorrow? She lifted her hands and dropped them hopelessly. They'll fire me. They'll completely fucking fire me. He said nothing and she saw that he was smiling. It was a simple smile, as if he had just seen something small and pleasant, like a butterfly. Suddenly she was angry. Yeah, funny, isn't it? She said. My car's a piece of modern art next to the bypass. By this time tomorrow I'll be unemployed, and by this time next month I'll probably be living in my boyfriend's mother's basement. I could die laughing! The smile vanished. I'm sorry, he said quickly. It's the way you talk, like die laughing. You sound like someone in a crime novel. Oh. 
Her anger vanished as quickly as it had come, but it left a strange taste in her mouth. Was that a compliment? She wondered. She watched him carefully now, looking for... She didn't know exactly what she was looking for. Some sign that would tip things one way or another into hazardous territory or out of it. I swear like a goddamn sailor, is what you mean? I think it's quite wonderful, he said. And that was strange, but was it dangerous? It sounded like the kind of thing some flake new age friend of her mother's would say, didn't it? Affirmation for affirmation's sake. You hated your job, so you quit. And now you live in your car? How wonderful for you. Wonderful. Right, she said, and then deliberately changing the subject. This is a nice car. She meant it. The seats felt like real leather.